hello everybody and welcome back to Building a Bridge. My name is Jesse Brizendine. My name is Jared Townis, and our mission is to empower people to use their voice to build a bridge beyond race relations, creating unity and understanding, and effectively raising the collective consciousness of humanity. Last week, we did part two with our guest, Tony Rodari, who shared with us about police training and talked about the difference between criminal profiling and racial profiling, as well as mental health and law enforcement, where there could be some improvement. It was a really incredible conversation. If you haven't watched it yet or listened to it, be sure to go and listen to both parts. And Tony's also graciously agreed to come back and visit us again in the future for another episode. Oh, am I going to do the today or are you doing the today? Okay, I'll do this today. Okay. I'll do this today. So today we're going to talk to you guys about white privilege. Um, it's a good topic to um, kind of run into from racial profiling, policing, since a lot of people talk about white privilege as, you know, being sort of, sort of that barrier between um, white people and black people in terms of understanding our relationship with police, right? Black people's relationship with police versus um, uh, American society or white, white people's relationship with police. Um, really want to touch on how we personally feel about it as a statement. Um, define it. Are we want to define it. So, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll define white privilege according to um, what is the, uh, that it was a lady who wrote a paper and define white privilege. I had it saved on my phone. I should have. While you pull that up, I'll just talk. I'll just mention really quick. I want to acknowledge everybody in the group who contributed comments and questions in the thread. And what we're going to do is we're going to interweave your comments and questions into what we're going to talk about today. And also, I also want to thank each of you for being willing to offer your comments and questions. I know this is, uh, Jared and I definitely want to get into some of the maybe more emotionally you know, some of the more emotionally sensitive topics. And I know that it takes risk to offer yourself out there and, and to open yourself up in a public forum like that. And I just, I want to acknowledge each of you for doing that because it's through our conversations, it's through our comments, it's through our questions that we are going to be able to build and grow this bridge together. And also too, as we go through today, whether you agree or disagree with Jared or myself, Please, please include that in your comments afterwards. Follow-up questions. Ask Jared why he thinks what he thinks. Ask me why I believe what I believe. And my, my challenge to each of you would be this, is as you listen and watch today's, today's conversation, seek to understand, seek to learn, uh, you know, from one another, from each other, and, and also the same with us. Push back on us. That's, that's totally fine. Like, that's part of what this is before. And then if you push back, try to push back with a, place of where we're empowering one another and we're being sensitive and respectful of each other's beliefs and where we come from. And then also ask follow-up questions, continuing conversations. Where would you like to see next week's conversation go? All that, just have that in your mind as we go through and I'll turn it back over to Jared so he can read through the definition. Uh, yes. So I had a short form one. So when we talk about um, what is white privilege, right? So um, white privilege in terms of how we, how we would define it, 
um, is the privilege, goodness gracious, I'm trying to find an exact definition and I don't want to um, pull from this. I don't want to say it wrong, which is so, so bad. Do you, do you need me to keep rambling for another minute while you find the exact <laughs> definition? <laughs> I probably, I probably do. Uh, I'm so mad about this. Right I can now, definitely though. do that. So while Jared's pulling up the exact definition, which I appreciate you doing, Jared, so that we can have a, we can have that framework to launch from. Also, you know, check in with the group, ask questions in the group, use the, you know, you don't have to wait for someone else to pose a question. You can definitely pose it yourself. And I would ask all of you that when you see someone pose a question, which I've seen some of you do this last week, which is really incredible. Sometimes when people ask questions or they make comments that might be controversial or might seem, you know, different than us, it, it, there's that tendency we might feel defensive. We feel our emotions rising. It's really great to just ask them, Hey, what, do, what exactly do you mean? I, I want to be clear here. I, I don't want to misinterpret what you're saying can you explain this? Or you, when you say this, I think you mean this, what do you really mean? There's a lot of wonderful opportunities to practice those understanding things because if you can do it in this context here, we can take that skill set over and apply it in th throughout all aspects of our lives and our businesses and our relationships, right? Haven't we all had those challenges before in our relationships where our significant others will say something and we're assuming it means something different. And then it breaks into an argument over the thing that wasn't even really said or wasn't what they really meant. So just, just keep that in mind of ask questions, make comments and acknowledge one another when they do. And then also seek to understand and to learn from each other on why they believe what they believe, why they feel what they feel because that's where I think you're going to really be able to, all of us can really have some incredible growth from. Okay, so here it is. Um, it comes from a lady, originally from a lady named Peggy uh, McIntosh, who was a women's studies collector. And in 1988, she wrote a paper called White Privilege and Male Privilege, a personal accounting of coming to see correspondences through work in women's studies. So I did have this screenshot of what it was, but I forgot who she was and everything else. So um, it says white privilege. This is the definition according to uh, Ms. Peggy McIntosh. Um, I can, if I wish, arrange to be in the company of people of my, of my race most of the time. If I should need to move, I can be pretty sure of renting or purchasing housing in an area in which I can afford and in which I would want to live. Um, I can be pretty sure that my neighbors in such a location will be neutral or pleasant to me. This is if you're white, right? I can go shopping alone most of, most of the time, pretty well assured that I will not be followed or harassed. I can turn on the television or open the front page of the newspaper and see people of my race widely represented. When I am told about our national heritage or civilization, I am shown that my, that people of my color made it what it is. Okay, so I'm going to break down each one of these points, all right? So I can, if I wish, arrange to be in, a in, in the company of people of my race most of the time. This would, as white privilege is defined, right? In America, the majority of the country is Caucasian. Like, so 
the, the majority of people around are Caucasian. So for the most part, if you're a white person, you can be uh, around people of your color most of the time. Now I will tell you, I am from a city that is 60-ish percent black, right? And so I have, I know people who, when I moved out here, they said when they went there, they felt uncomfortable because they were surrounded by black people. And they're like, well, where are the white people at, right? And um, so for, I will say most of my life growing up, I was surrounded by people of my own color. Um, and it wasn't until I started to live in other places in the United States that I recognized that black people were really 13% of the population, right? I didn't really recognize, I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, like, you know it intuitively, but you don't experience it. So then I moved to places where I would go a day and I wouldn't see a black person, right? Or I'd see maybe one or two black people my whole day, right? Um, and that's different. So it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if I necessarily consider that a privilege, um, but I think it does, it can make you feel more comfortable um, to not feel different. Um, if I should need to move, I can be pretty sure of renting or purchasing a house in the area where which I can afford to live, can afford, and in which I want, I would want to live. Um, I guess that can roll back into um, seeing people of my same color and feeling comfortable. Um, I wouldn't necessarily. This is first. I'm breaking this down for you guys as as much as I can, keeping it raw and honest. Right? I wouldn't necessarily consider that. Um, a privilege. I think. The, uh, I think anybody who's um, anybody who would look to move into a different place, they would look to move to a place where, they, one, if they can afford it, they would try to move to a place where they would want to live. I think people of all colors and and races uh, or nationalities um, could find themselves in a, a position where they're going to end up moving someplace that they don't want to live, um, depending on what your your economic status is. So I wouldn't necessarily um, agree with that. That's more of a financial thing, right? Um, I can be pretty sure that my neighbors in such a location will be neutral or pleasant to me. Um, I don't know about white culture, so I don't know. But I will say this, you can move places if you're black or you're Asian or something like that and find that people just don't like you because you're black or you're Asian, right? Especially in the United States of America right? Because it's a majority white place and prejudices and things like that do exist. Um, I can go shopping alone most of the time, pretty well assured. I will not be followed or harassed. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that um, hasn't really happened to me in my lifetime. Um, so it's not a personal experience that I've dealt with. Uh, in terms of being accused of stealing or something like that um, or being followed or harassed in the store. So I've never experienced that as a black man. Um, have I heard about it? Absolutely. Oh, we walked into, I was buying my wife her wedding ring, walked into a shop once and the lady treated us like we couldn't afford it. Mm. Or she treated, she treated, matter of fact, I don't even know if I was there. My wife was in there by herself. She treated my wife like she couldn't afford it. My wife is Asian, by the way. 
treated my wife like she couldn't afford it. So I went in there and I cursed the lady the fuck out <laughs> because I was super pissed. Um, and, um, oh man, I laid into her big time and, you know, brought a manager over. I was like, you know, I would pay for this ring right here, whatever. If my wife told me she wanted it, blah, 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 blah. You know, you fucking lost business. Oh, my wife, an apology. Walk my wife back in there. She apologized to my wife and said, you're never getting my fucking business. And I was, uh, I was livid. I was fucking, oh, I was mad. I could punch the lady. But, <laughs> but, um, you know, I was super offended. And, and, you know, and my wife came out. She was crying. She was upset. Can't have that. So um, that was, that was one case where we dealt with that. But that, my wife is Asian. And I don't know if that happens to white people or not either. Right. Um, I can keep, I can turn on, I can turn on television or open the front page of the newspaper and see people of my color, people of my race, widely represented. Now, what I'll say about this one is, is that representation is usually a pot is they'll get more, you get more positive than negative um, representations in the news and the media. If you're white, then you are black. And that does do something to your psychology, right? It does not just something to your psychology in terms of how you feel about yourself, but in terms of how you feel about other people or your race. Um, and something we don't talk about a lot, but I'll talk about on here sometime. I'll, I'll talk about amongst my friends is that like um, black people who do grow up in other parts of America and maybe only see one or two black people a day, when they see black people on TV and they're depicted in a certain way, they make an assumption about other black people and they become black people that make generalizations about other black people and think of themselves as an exception, which is a huge problem, right? Because most black people are not criminals. Most black people are not, you know, causing, you know, the majority of the crime. And I think, you know, even, I think I had a conversation the other day um, with a friend of mine and uh, they put up, um, you know, something they, this guy, they sent me a video of this guy saying that 13% of people are responsible for 57% of homicides in this country, right? And so when I hear that, those statistics rattled off, 13% of the population being black people, 13% of the US population, right? Responsible for 57% of homicides, like murders. Um, there's an issue with that because it's the minority of that 13% that are responsible for 57% yep. of that, right? It's not 50, 50% of black people aren't even like out there killing 57% of people. It's a minority of a minority that's out there committing these crimes. Yep. So let's get it, let's get it straight. Whenever you say 13%, you're saying all black, you're making a generalization about all black people again which is not true, right? So maybe, you know, a, a percentage, like 10% of black people, you know, are, are there are 10% of black people who are at the bottom of poor and violent, and they're committing a lot of crime and killing a lot, and, they're, and, they, and they kill and a lot of death results from it. But that is not, it just so happens that that 13% of the population also represents a good portion of the poor people in the country, right? In terms of percentage-wise, um, in compact areas and crime-ridden areas, especially if you want to go like that. And so those people in crime-ridden areas, 
are going to kill each other at high rates. It's just, you know, and, and I think we can pull color out of that. If you put a lot of, a lot of criminals in a small space, they're going to be fucking, it's going to be a lot of crime. It's going to get out of hand. It's going to be violent. So I, so that, uh, that can turn on my white privilege in terms of turn on my television and see people look like me while they represent it is more so about the positive representation versus negative and what that can do to your psychology. Um, and then when I'm told about our national heritage or about civilization, I am showing people my color and made it what it is. Yeah, okay, so, um, and that one is again, we're in the United States of America, majority white country. Um, you know, all of our found fathers were white. Um, and a lot of history is gonna be told from that perspective, right? Um, and written in the history books from that perspective. All those things, what are we talking about when we say, so in my opinion, what are we saying when we say, I'm sorry, I just unpacked a lot. <laughs> and I can tell you want to go um, about, what, I just want to like summarize what's, what, that, what that's saying. It's, you know, um, to me, how I would define white privilege beyond, um, her name is Peggy McIntosh. If you guys want to look her up, she's still alive. Um, beyond what she says there, is that it is the privilege of having a positive association with your race. One, a positive association with your race. Like I have a positive image of what it means to be white. I think that is a fundamental difference between white people and black people in America, it's for, especially in terms of black Americans is the ability to have a positive image of your race and your color. Um, now, could we define it as a privilege? It, it definitely is an advantage because you have this cultural pride that black Americans typically do not have. Um, and, and the system is built to, to help you provide that. Um, in terms of how it's affecting us today, is based upon um, perspective, um, and so that's the that's the thing that. And so a lot of I don't necessarily like the white privilege. I, I don't want to. I want to let you. I want you to go first, but <laughs> but but um, in terms of, I'm just gonna keep on going how I think it's there. And so in terms of uh, how how the police are viewed, uh, white privilege allows you to view the police in a po a more positive light in general and what black people um, view the police and to be viewed by the police and more of a benefit of the doubt. Like you don't hear racial profiling, right? When they say racial profiling, they're not talking about racial profiling against white people. They're talking racial profiling against the 13% that's responsible for 57% of the crime, which again, I hate that, that statement because it's like, the 10% of the 13% that's responsible for 57% of the crime, right? Or if you really want to get like crazy specific, probably like the 2%, right, of the American public that's responsible for 57% of the crime. Almost like the whole 1% or 10% that's responsible for 90% of American wealth. I would probably guess 10% is responsible for 90% of American crime. I would bet that those two, that Pareto principle, that principle 
works out on both ends of the fucking spectrum. So I would love for that conversation to go there as opposed to saying 13% responsible for 57% when it's a fraction of that 13%. Am I, am, am I making any sense? percent. <laughs> I would probably even push back on you in that and say it's, it's not even 10%. It's probably a percent of a percent. <laughs> you know, I, I'd probably even challenge you more on that and say it's probably, it's if 13% of the population, I would say probably, I bet you it's probably 12 point, eight nine or 12.9 of that 13 percent is not involved at all and then there's that point fraction of a percentage point that does because that's the way because that's the way every every system set up yeah 10 20 percent of people do do all the work good or bad (laughs) that makes america so unique is because we do have this cultural melting pot here Whereas if you were to go to Mexico, the statistics are probably the same where you have this small percentage of the population that's committing most of the crime, but the people who are affected, they're all Hispanic. They're all Mexican. Yes. Right. And so we just happen to live in a country where we have all these different cultures, all these different pigmentations, all these different belief systems and whatnot. And I think it's quite remarkable too, that we have the these culture we live in this country where we do have these different differences that's we've societally made so big and such a big deal and we're able to get along relatively well i think all things considered you know we 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 really really are there are pockets of it where that's not the case most most definitely but it's i think it's it's few and far between in the sense of <clears throat> you know there's much of the world right now that that's not the case. I, I was watching this documentary the other day and it was showing the coast of Somalia, beautiful coastline. And then you see all the buildings around the coastline. So many of them are bombed out and destroyed from all sorts of violence and whatnot. I, I remember going to Brazil and being in Rio de Janeiro and the coastline in Rio de Janeiro is absolutely incredible. They have the Christ Redeemer statue and the Sugarloaf, which in the harbor of Rio de Janeiro, those are all widely put into the, the, what is it, the seven greatest natural wonders, seven greatest wonders of the world. Routinely, those appear in there. And I remember, and then you have the, the rainforest just above, which is spectacular. And one day we took a wrong turn into a favela and, you know, got out of the car, started taking pictures because the view is so pretty and weren't there more than two minutes. And there's some people starting to come out and starting to, con, you know, converge on there. And, I remember it was just this, everybody, the the driver who was driving said, we took the wrong turn. We're not supposed to be here. Get in the car right now. And, <laughs> and but the, you know, the thing is, is that that wrong turn into that favela, everybody in the favela looked like everybody down on the beach at Copacabana or, you know, versus I think in the United States where a lot of this comes in is we take wrong turns. And, and what, what I hear in that is that we take a wrong, we take a wrong turn and we're going to end up in a neighborhood where somebody may not look like this. And unfortunately, we are we have some, I think, lingering belief systems, or maybe they're just biases too, which I do think some of this is bias, is that there is a bias of us wanting to, you know, like attracts like, us wanting to be around. Simon Sinek has this great example where he talks about, you and I may not get along, in, in normal circumstances, right? But then all of a sudden we're in a we're in Paris, and we're in yes. Paris for the first time alone, and we don't you, neither of us speak French, 
and neither of us and so we're we're going around we're trying to ask for directions and you know i'm going to stereotype the french right now so if anybody's french in the group please forgive me but you know the french have a have a have a cultural stereotype of being somewhat rude at first or a little abrasive right and i i go up to a french person i'm trying to find something on the map but i can't speak french and they prove me right and <laughs> and i find myself then in a in a crowded area and everybody's talking French or whatever, because there's so many languages that will go to Paris at once. And then all of a sudden I hear Jared over there and he's talking, but he's talking, he's speaking English. And then I see him and I go, oh, hey, you, you speak English. I speak English too. Well, where are you from? And he's like, I'm from Arizona. I'm from California. Oh, so you're an American too, right? <laughs> and, and we've removed this barrier so quickly because in that context, we're looking for like versus uh, we're looking for similar instead of difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important thing. And, and when I hear, so when I hear the term white privilege, Jared, which first of all, I think I, I appreciate so much you breaking it down like that, because uh, to be honest, I've never heard it that way. My, my perception of it. So this is just my opinion. My perception of it is it's something that I had never even heard of that term before until recently. And it seems like it's, it's a term that, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's like one where when I, so when, if I just hear white privilege, do I think there's a privilege or an advantage of being white? Absolutely. And I think there's also privileges and advantages of being lots of different things in lots of different contexts too. And I think that there's also disadvantages of being white in certain things. Like I, I think right now, like the white male seems to be the, the public enemy number one in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think that, I think it, it's contextual. Context is always king, I think, with these types of things. I think that if there's, there's, there's privileges or advantages, depending if you have a certain talent, a certain ability, if you're good looking, if you're tall, you're short, you're, you're, you're fat, you're thin, I think it's, it's going to be where we apply the context of it. And I, I acknowledge that there's societal advantages that each of us have, I think, and that and I often, you and I were talking about this beforehand, Like I wonder what it was that afforded me the opportunity to get born into, that I was born living in the United States in Northern California and how that changed the course of my life if I would have born, been born in the United States living somewhere else or if I would have been born in uh, Russia or something like that, right? Where we, we might have the same skin color but a different sort of belief systems. And... And that's, and even that's not a fair, I think that's a very unfair generalization because I think political pieces aside, I think if we go down to all Russians, because we sometimes make it Russia's the, the big bad out there, <laughs> I think most Russians probably want similar things to what most Americans want, which is to see their families taken care of, know that there's shelter over our head, know that they're going to have food in their fridge, that they're going to be able to go to work, earn a wage, be able to have some money to go on a vacation, that their kids are going to have a better life than them. I, I don't think most Russians, just like most Americans, are playing in this game of that there's a bad guy, there's a bad and good and evil, right and wrong out there. I think most of us are just trying to live better lives. And so when I hear a term like white privilege, where I struggle with it is I feel like there's a, there's a to me, there's this dangerous line that we, we, we walk with these discussions where I think if we focus, if we keep focusing on differences, and what makes this different, it's going to be divisive. Like, I, I think that we need to, we need to learn to embrace and celebrate what makes us 
similar. Like it's, it, I, Michael Jordan was my childhood hero, not because he's the greatest athlete of all time. What made him my childhood hero is because he was cut from his basketball team. And to me that said, if that, if the greatest athlete of all time could become who he is and not make his high school basketball team because he wasn't good enough to play high school, <laughs> that, that to me expands the scope of possibility. And I, I do think that there are, there's, a, there's unfortunately a lot of unfair cultural. Uh, so I, I should actually say this too. I grew up without cable television. I had NBC. So my, my TV shows I watched growing up were the, the Cosby show. And then after the Cosby show, it was Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And then, you know, once Fresh Prince came on, there was other shows on too. There was, there was Blossom would come on after Fresh Prince. And then you got to oh, Must See TV Thursday where you had Seinfeld <laughs> friends, which were very, very much whitewashed. Like it was all Caucasian at that, that, in uh, that, you know, I grew up watching the action shows where the, the main heroes were, were Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, which, you know, we can call them white, but Sylvester Stallone's Italian, right? <laughs> Arnold is Austrian Im who immigrated over from there. So I don't know. Like, I think that, again, there's this thing that we, we play with where where do we draw these lines at? But then also Wesley Snipes entered into that too. Like Wesley Snipes came into the play and I, I, I love I loved Wesley and a lot of his movies. I actually just watched one of his movies the other day and it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, I hadn't seen one of his movies for a while. <laughs> uh, and there's Bruce Lee was in there too. You know, Bruce Lee was definitely a big piece of that. Uh, so I, I, I'm really, I think that there are absolutely advantages that exist in society. I think that there is absolutely. And I think it's also a privilege for us to be born with eyes, with ears, to be able to see, touch, hear, smell, taste, that we can walk, that we have access to the internet, that we can talk about things like this. I think that each of us here are so privileged in so many ways and that skin color could just be another one of those. But I think that for me, my perception is, is terms like this get so politicized and then thus weaponized that it becomes a thing of like, well, okay, how is Jared different than me and how am I different than Jared? And I quite frankly and honestly, I am not curious in understanding why that is. What I'm curious about is, like, I think Jared's an incredible human being. And I think Jared thinks I'm an incredible human being. And how can we have these conversations about what is it that needs to happen to elevate that consciousness, to get us past the, the racial piece and give it to where we all have these opportunities to succeed and grow. I really do believe that if we're all, if we're all given the opportunity to be at our best, then the more each of us thrives, the more all of us thrives, you know, and that's just my belief system. And so do we get there by singling out and saying, well, you have it better off than me because of this? I don't know. I, I really don't know. And in, in, in my heart, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think there's, I don't, I, and I think too that, at least people from uh, white people might struggle with this too, is I think there's a lot of white people out there right now who are really extremely sympathetic to any sort of injustice or hardship that black community or Hispanic community or Asian community or people of any sort of ethnic groups or colors have, have felt. And I think that they've really tried to live their lives to be inclusive and to, 
to be pro proactive and, and being better human beings than their predecessors were. And I think a lot of them struggle with terms like white privilege because then I think that it's been something too in maybe we could say the media that has manipulated it almost to a way where it might imply racism or them being racist, which then goes down a whole nother path of what does that mean, who you are, and, and we've created very specific, I think, racial archetypes in our culture. And those are archetypes that I think a lot of people in the white community fear in the sense of they don't want to have any sort of association to that because that would imply that they don't care or they, they hate, and I don't think they feel that way. So, you know, that's, a, that's kind of a long, complex ramble. And I just want to say this too before I throw it back over to Jared. Anybody who's listening to that, please, I invite conversation, question, discussion about that. I absolutely like I I don't think I even I don't think I articulated it in those well as I could and probably further discussion with all of you because I'm just kind of responding to what Jared said and in the context of this moment right now and this is where I think context really is is so critical I think if we're in a different context and I'm talking with a different person and there's different there's different examples brought up then I'm going to have a different dialogue around it too so I encourage you all and invite you all to, to weigh in on it because it's just going to only help for me selfishly. It helps me grow and understand and, and better formulate my opinions and my thoughts. And then hopefully in turn, it helps us all do the same. So, um, when we, when we, um, Put this up. We talked. We said we we're going to talk about this in the group. Um, you asked a question. A lot of people um, fed into the started to at started to bring up topics that they would like discussed. Right when we talked about this, um, and before I dig on it, um, I want I want to say there are two there are two things that I think. So I talked about what what I believe white privilege is, how I believe it exists. Right. Um, I 100% agree with you. There are privileges to being beautiful. There are privileges to being tall. There are certain privileges that go along with, with being uh, Black, right? Um, there are definitely some positive uh, connotations. There have recently become some negative connotations with being white, especially white male in America, right? Um, <laughs> now to my issues, like my major issues with like white privilege um, and uh, the usage of it, right? So one of the things you brought up was um, words or phrases or things being weaponized, right? And so, um, you know, why do we use the term white privilege? Like what's the purpose, right? Is when people start to talk about it, is it to make white people feel bad? Right? Is that what the goal is, is to make white people feel guilty um, about the advantages they have? Is it to discredit uh, the achievements of white people or white males in particular, right? Um, is it to provide an excuse or an out to people who are non-white, right? Um, I think when I say that, I, I touch on a, a couple of different questions um, or things that were posed 
when we put this up in a group, right? In terms of like, you know, how do you explain poor white people? How do you explain Asian Americans being the most successful um, cultural group in America, right? Um, it even goes back to what you posted earlier in the week talking about uh, personal responsibility, right? Um, so, he, in my opinion, like I have no idea why this lady wrote this, right? I have no idea why she decided to write, you know, this paper um, entitled, um, what was it? White male, white privilege, let me, let me get this right. White privilege is a privilege. A personal account of coming to see correspondences through work in women's studies, right? Why did she, why did she one, it was a paper for school, right? <laughs> right, um, you know, we pick all kinds of things to write. But what, what were the feelings and the emotions that drove her to write this? Did she feel slighted being a white female? Did she also feel slighted and privileged? Um, I can't say. I will say what are the positive, here's what I'm gonna touch on. What do I think are the positive things about the term, right? Where, where can we look at it and see a positive, okay? Um, in terms of why someone else might not understand, um, um, the perspective of an African-American person, right? Or the issues of African-American people in terms of how we view ourselves or how we are generally viewed in America. It is a good, so to speak, stabbing point, if you want to talk about weapon, for that. To get people to understand that if I say white privilege and I define it to mean, you know, um, how comfortable you feel in your own skin in this country or the view that you have of yourself in terms of your worth and your value based upon being white, right? Maybe if I do it in that way, I can help you understand the negative view and self-value that you can have associated with being black, mm. right? Um, and how that, that needs to be worked on. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like somebody put up a, a, a I like post. that. I appreciate you saying it that way. I get that. Okay. <laughs> so uh, somebody put up a post the other day where uh, Beyonce had come out with that album "Black Is King." They're like, "But I can't put up a I can't put up White Is King," right? Which is contradictory. I'm going to say that live on here. It's contradictory to 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 say that one's okay and one's not okay. One makes you racist and one doesn't, right? It's, it's super wrong. But when you, if you can unpack white privilege the way that I think it's useful to be unpacked, right? You can understand that like, there's a lot of negative connotation associated with being black, right? And, and I think when, I think we want, we don't want that to be true in today's America, right? But it's still there if that makes any kind of sense. And so it's a privilege to have a positive association with your race, right? To me, that is the greatest statement. It's a privilege to not 
be assumed or lumped into a 13% that's responsible for 57% of crime, right? Based upon your race, because that's not a, that's not a truth, right? It's it, like we said, it's a percentage over percentage, right? And so those two things, because it's a percentage over percentage of white people, right? <laughs> right, when we talk about crime, right? and, we, and we understand that, but the numbers are so much bigger, right? that it feels like the percentage is so much smaller or maybe the percentage is so much smaller or whatever, but you can just say, oh, the overwhelming majority of white people are good or not murderers. Whereas you almost, when you say that 1357, you want to say the majority of black people are murderers. Does that, am I making any kind of sense? Yeah. So that, that you, when you talk about, when people talk about white privilege, what they really, I think, in terms of what's useful is to point out the negative effects or the negative side of psychology around black African-American racially. Right. And it's not, and, and that's, and that's not just, and, and I think that's also probably its greatest failing because it doesn't assault to me what's the true problem directly. Does that make any kind of sense? It just, it just kind of, I think it, what it does is, is it maybe opens up, if it was done properly, the conversation to say, this is why you don't see things the way we see things, right? This is the distance between us, right? And that's the only, to me, when we talk about differences, right, and how we state those, right? How do we display the distance between us, mm. right? How do we display the ground that we just, we don't want to walk across? Right, <laughs> you know what I mean, and how can we, how can we do that in a condensed? So really, the the fucked up part about a term like white privilege is it does this, right? Does that make any kind of sense? So for a lot of people, it makes that distance greater, right? Because no one wants their struggles, their strifes, their challenges, the things that they had to overcome in this world belittled, right? And one thing that's true about human existence from the terms of the Buddhists is that life is suffering, right? Is that everybody has struggle. Everybody has strife. You had, a, you had one, TV, one station, one TV growing up, right? I had, uh, even though we, I grew up in black and in the hood, right? <laughs> so to speak, we had three televisions, hmm. four, at, you know what I mean, at one point, right? And multiple stations, right? And even my mom, who was on welfare, they had a, uh, they had a, would you, uh, fuck. Oh my God, Jerry, how do you forget? Oh my gosh. They had a, oh, oh. Jared, Jared I have to tell you, one of my favorite things about these is your inner monologues. <laughs> you're, trying to, you're trying to remember what you're going to say. Well, it's, it's, you know what? I can't remember. It's, it's a, they had, we called it the box, but it was, it was, um, it was uh, pirated cable. Oh. <laughs> so they had a pirate, they had a pirated cable box. So my mom had all the stations, right? Or whatever, right? And two TVs, right? And so, um, so just, just um, completely different, right? Mm. In terms of, in terms of that kind of amenity situation. Um, it was on welfare and all that kind of stuff, right? Lived in, you know, subsidized housing and all that kind of stuff, right? But had box, had every station. <laughs> every station, right? 
Yes, even those forbidden stations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for one one feed. Yeah. Anyway, um, and so uh, it was. It was. It was. It was. Th- there were. Um, those were. I guess you could say benefits or whatever, right? Uh, comforts. Um, so whenever you, whenever you belittle somebody's strive for their struggle or what they had to do to get to where they are, right? When you when you minimize that, whether you're a black person minimizing it for white people with the statement white privilege and not trying to even explain why you would use that term, right? Or when you're a white person and you're talking about um, black people and in general, and you're either 13, 15, 13, responsible for 57%, or saying that, you know, people are personal responsibility. You're in that situation and it's all your own fault, right? Um, either one of those where you belittle someone else's struggles, right? And, you know, leave out every other every other part of their life, it's going to drive a wedge. It's going to make that distance greater, right? Um, unless you can do it in such a way that you're, 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 you're both explaining, you're explaining like, this is why, this is why we don't see eye to eye, right? Mm-hmm. When you say, I am, you know, uh, I'm from a poor background. I had one TV. We had one station. I love Michael Jordan. I watched First Prince of Bel-Air. I got myself out of that. I now live in one of the richest counties in the, in the country, right? And I am doing this, and I work so many hours a day, right? I took personal responsibility for my situation and got myself out of it, right? And then you say, I believe you can do the same if you take the same amount of responsibility right um when you say when you put it to people that way it has a different impact you you know what i mean it has a different impact and everybody has advantages right when you say you know i have a i had a mentor that that played sports my poor white guy from uh not compton from he's like from somewhere in like like East LA, Southeast LA, poor, right? And but like he could he could play football, play basketball, right? He got a 40 inch vertical, 40 something inch vertical white dude, right? And he was like, I rode my 40 inch vertical all the way to college, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know, he knew it was an advantage. He knew it was something that he could use to get himself to a place where he could become successful. And then he knew that when I go to the school, a lot of my life, I need to make connections with the right people so I can find myself in the right places and, and build, my, build success for myself, right? And he knew that. And he knew that he had to climb a ladder to get himself out of where he was, right? And he knew, like, these are the, these are the things that I can use, my 40-inch vertical, my, this part of my personality, this and this to reach out and grab the next rung and pull himself up, right? And so, well, one of the honest conversations that we have to have, if we talk about white privilege or something like that, you know, um, we're just saying, 
maybe you have a rung that I didn't have, right? And yeah, maybe that was an advantage for me. Well, now here, here's me as this guy saying, here's a rung that I didn't have that you have, right? Reach up and grab that one. Or yeah, you have less runs on the ladder, so you gotta be, you gotta reach a little bit further, right? Or whatever, right? And 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 just just being open and honest about it, and not just the worst thing I think we can do is just entirely dismiss somebody or hate on somebody because they're successful, right? Or or just like I said, belittle their struggle because they because of where they got to. And I think white privilege has been instead of used to say this is why you're not necessarily understanding what I'm saying, or this is why, you know, Beyonce coming out with an album, Black is King is acceptable. And right now in America, somebody saying White is King is unacceptable, right? These are, these are, the, these are the reasons why, right? Um, but you have, to, you have to be able to articulate it. You have to, and to just use a, term like white privilege without being able to express it and just using it as a blame state or a belittling state or a you should feel bad state or whatever, right? Or you didn't do any of this on your own kind of a thing, <laughs> right? Or, or even to a certain extent, this is the reason why I failed and you succeeded, right? Any of those things are to a, at least a small extent disingenuous, right? You are you are you are being you are being disingenuous with yourself. You're not you're not being you're not taking responsibility for the power of your own choices and actions, and you're belittling someone else's choices and actions, right? So it, it, it's, it's dangerous in that sense. Um, but that, that said, I still believe it can be used. I still believe it can, it can be used, but with, with care, so to speak. You know, I, 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 you know words are damn. Anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it here. I'm gonna let you get, get on your piece. Words are damaging, right? People used to say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me but we know words and ideas are more powerful than bullets, right? So you better fucking know what words and ideas you're using and where they're going, right? And because if you don't, then you're gonna wreak a whole lot of destruction. And I think that white privilege is a big ass fucking, it's a bazooka. Right. <laughs> and you need to be if you're gonna use it, you better or rock it. You can even use it, you better be really skilled with it, right? Or it could be a rocket or it could be a scalpel, whatever you want to call, right? But you better be really skilled with it and quantify it and use it in the ways in which it can create a place for understanding as opposed to a place for building a big ass fucking gap between between you and someone else right um you know it 
yeah anyway go ahead you fo- go ahead no man i i really appreciate that jared and i think you just you you gave much more eloquence to and it in a way that i was i was struggling to and i think that what you said that struggle piece is that's the piece that a lot of people struggle with i think a lot of people and i'll just say white people struggle with and i shouldn't speak for white people so i'll say i'll struggle with because i do when i hear it i feel like it starts to create this this dynamic of well you had it easier and i had it harder just because of skin color and in so doing it does discredit the things that i've gone through the struggles and challenges i've overcome and, and whatnot. And I was even having this conversation with a friend the other day and he was telling me, well, I know I definitely got uh, opportunities in school because I was white. And so I got put in classes just because of that, that the counselor would. And it's like, that's, I said, that's fascinating. That wasn't my experience. My experience, I didn't even really talk to the counselor until I was in a senior in school. And I remember going to college thinking of how disadvantaged I felt because kids were going into these classes like sociology and computer science and those types of things. And I had never even taken those things. You know, the most sophisticated that we got with computers at my school, which I was lucky we did have some was we learned 10 key and we learned how to do Microsoft, some of Microsoft office. And these there's kids coming in doing programming and they'd had computer science all through high school. I, I, I remember going and looking at applications thinking like, boy, if I would have only been, had a different skin color or if I had a different sexual orientation or something like that. It seemed like there was a lot of scholarships that were available, at least with the, what I was looking at. And I remember having this thought in my mind and that's not to say that that's in any way accurate. I'm sure there's probably plenty available for me. It was just the lens I was looking through at that time. And yeah, I think that that's, that's, you bring up a really good point that when we enter into dynamics where we're starting to minimize the struggles and challenges of others, it in a way almost makes it to them. They may hear it as you're what you're basically telling me is my story is insignificant. That everything I've been through and what I believe has made me who I am today is insignificant and not valid in the scope of, because what you're saying is that you've had to go through something so much greater than me. And I, I think that's a really, really dangerous generalization to make. I think that then too, it sometimes it starts to blend over into where does this go? Does, is, is it, is it, are we calling out privilege? Are we calling out bias? Is a, is a, a is a black business owner going to be more likely to hire black people or a white person going to be more hired likely to hire white people? You know, we could have studies on those things and change the names and do all those fancy stuff like academia often likes to do. And then we can go and take statistics and we can manipulate statistics and whatever way we do, just like you were talking about the 13%, the 50%. I think there's a really, that's a challenging thing because we do have the ability to study and get statistics and so many things. And then even when we do, they're open for interpretation. I think that one of the things we could do is instead of trying to look at why are these different? Just why do we, you know, accept and embrace that? Yeah, we all have biases. I am probably more likely want to hang out with people who like the same sports team as me, because when it comes that time, it's going to be a lot more fun to hang out with people who want to root and high five for the team I wanted than the ones who don't. I, I, I bet you most of us in here probably like to hang out more, especially this time of year with the people who have the similar political beliefs as us. And that's not to make anybody racist, good, bad, right, or wrong. It's just to recognize that we have personal preferences or personal biases. 
and that that is going to happen. And I don't think that necessarily makes people bad people. What it does though, is it invites the opportunity for us to look at it and say, okay, well, am I, especially when it comes to maybe hiring, if I'm a business owner and I want to advance and grow my business and there's a tremendous opportunity there for me to look at and say, am I making a hire based off of a bias? And is that bias costing me the opportunity to grow and maximize my business because this person has much better merit and ability to grow, help me grow my business. And, you know, am I making decisions in my community based off of bias, which we all are. And so we can examine bias and look at how does that invite us an opportunity to grow and, and advance our communities. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important thing. I, I know that the friends I have who I hang out with most of the time, I have and hang out most of the time because they're in geographic proximity. One of the things I love and appreciate about social media, despite all of its, you know, its things that might piss some of us off sometimes, definitely me, is that it affords us the opportunity to do this, right? Especially at this time when we're, a lot of us were isolated more as we can, we can effectively build bridges outside of our communities. You know, it used to be that, gosh, I remember, you know, with modern transportation, we don't think of this, but it wasn't but that long ago that most of us never saw much beyond a, like a five, 10 mile geographic area. So we just grow up and we'd stay in the same community and that would be all we'd ever know. And I think social media has really afforded us that where we can, we can bridge those gaps more so. And I think we can accelerate that bridge building by having those discussions of not how does, how does this make it more or less insignificant? That's just my definition, my perception. How does this make my struggle more or less than yours? But instead, wow, you struggled. I struggled too. What did you struggle with? This is what I've struggled with. Hey, what did you do to overcome your struggle? I wonder if there's something I could learn from you and then apply to my struggle. Same thing. Hey, what did you do to overcome your struggle? Oh, well, that's really interesting. You know, you, you've, you've struggled with, you've, you've struggled because you feel like you've been judged or, or, or ostracized from a part of society because of your skin color. Hey, I, I felt like I've struggled and been ostracized as a part of my society because of the way I look or something like that. And, and if we start going into a dynamic of, well, you're, what are you talking about? Look at you, you're this and that, that, that creates a bigger, like you said, it widens the gap. But if we instead say, wow, so you've, you've struggled with that identity piece too, man, I've struggled with that identity piece too. Mm -hmm. It just so happens that the identity I struggled with was, was because I had a, you know, growing up poor or whatever, and your identity piece was growing up black or your identity piece was growing up Hispanic or white or rich or poor or whatever that is. And if we can instead start just embracing that we all have these struggles. You know, Jared and I were talking a little bit before this about, uh, there, I think that all of us are just all wounded children trying to make it through life. You know, we're all just wounded children and that in our childhood, at some point in our life, we felt this, this deep hurt. We felt like we were unseen, we were unheard, that what we had to say didn't matter, that we didn't belong, that, that we were insignificant. And we've gone through life trying to make amends for that. Many of our early behaviors that we decide the paths that we're on right now are paths to try to atone to what we think did or didn't or should or should not have happened as we were kids. And so it's brought us to this place right now in adulthood where we're still trying to make that atonement. We're still trying to heal those wounds. Many of us, we may not even be aware of them. 
And so then what ends up happening is we have phrases come out like white privilege or black privilege or whatever the privilege thing is. And, and we add emotion into it. And so then what ends up happening is we get in arguments or discussions or all out fist fights over not the phrase, but the emotion behind the phrase, because what it's really doing is it's really saying to someone, or it could be in that moment, by you telling me that I have white privilege and I feel like, oh, it's invalidating my struggles. What you're really telling me is that I'm insignificant, that I don't matter. My journey doesn't matter, which is the same fucking thing I've been dealing with my whole goddamn life. And and as I just, I use the G word, I don't mean to be offensive (laughs) or take the Lord's name in vain in there, but, but, it's the same thing I've been struggling with my whole life. So here I am now and been on this journey to try so hard to heal that wound. And you're just going to throw it in my face with this new thing. And now because of that, I'm getting emotional and I have to reciprocate your emotion with my emotion. You're going to, you're going to expose the raw wound that I have done my whole life to build a wall around and hide and cover up with band-aids and you have the nerve to come and rip it off. So now I have to push back. Because I do not want to, it is terrifying for me to be that vulnerable. It's terrifying for me to feel that unsafe. It is terrifying for me to go through that pain again. And so I will do whatever now I need to do to protect myself from that. I'm not going to risk anything. You know, it's the exact opposite. I'm out. It's too scary. I've been through that pain before. And I, and I, I think that there's something there for all of us that if we can learn to embrace one another as that, as the wounded children that we all are, perhaps it gives us space for compassion and, and we don't need to use phrases like, and so let me, let me put this in action right now. What I'm trying to say, I'm going to assume from, I'm going to assume that the lady who wrote that and did it, she did it from a very positive intent from her perspective. And I'm going to assume that most people, how they use it right now, they're doing it for a very positive intent. And their intent, their intent could be is that they're trying to get people to, like you were saying, understand what they've been through, the struggles they've been through, how hard it's been. And that positive intent then has a broader spectrum of they are wanting to, they're doing that because they want to make life better for their friends, their family, their children to have it better than they've had it. And that's a way that they've learned how to do that. Just the same as maybe this person over here who could be white has learned how to, they want the life to be better for their friends and family. They want their children to have it easier than they had it. And so one way they've learned how to do it is this way. And I think so if we chunk down beneath all this stuff, we'll see that all of us are again are wanting it after the same things. It's just how we express and go about it might be different. We might have different language. We might have different belief systems. We might have different that. But if we keep hammering home, and I'm saying this as a phrase from me, I'm not saying that that's what the, the phrase, the, the term white privilege is doing. But if we, if we are, if, if people are going to go down a path where they are going to die on the sword of this is why, I'm not able to because of this. I think we are severely handicapping ourselves in our ability to grow because I think every single one of us has a sword that we could die on about why we're not able to. All of us have had adversity and challenges and struggles that we have had to deal with. Have some of us maybe had a different advantage than others? Absolutely. And there's, we've all heard the stories, uh, you know, the, the millionaire jumping off the bridge you know, celebrities who will take their lives because they're sad and depressed. Like 
emotional emptiness does not discriminate. It, it really doesn't. And so if we're really in the game of life to build a bridge and come together, we really do have to come together and, and start to look at and see that our differences are just different paths that have brought us both to the same point. And it's the same point right now that we have the opportunity to take these tools and we can either build together or and build a bridge or we can build a wall and, and, and create space between us. And I'll, you know, you're over here and I'm over here and that's just that. I, I do want to say that one of the emotional places that uh, as a black person that white privilege comes from, like the use of the word is that, um, all of the onuses, the onus for a long for a long time before recent years of problems in the black community, all the responsibility for those issues, or it seems like it feels like a lot of times the responsibility for those issues is put on the black community in and of itself. Right? And so when you hear that fire back or that missile firing back that says white privilege, it's a fire against that you don't recognize my struggles and you're, you're saying it's all my fault when in truth there have, I have been forgotten about and mistreated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so um, I want to mention some of the people that put up some of the stuff in the, in the group. Um, Jim, uh, Jim Moran, he, he put up a question about, Again, Appalachian people in Appalachia telling them that they're at white privilege, or telling somebody like you who grew up in Northern California when the timber industry left that you had white privilege, right? And things like that. It's like an affront, like to you, like what the fuck do you mean? Like, no, we were poor. All the jobs left, the businesses left, the economy went to the shit. Appalachian Mountains and coal mines and things like that. Economy went to shit. Everything was depressed. Blah blah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it just, it seems like the, there's a universal sense of empathy for that plight, that struggle, right? Or even poor farmers and stuff like that. Mm. There's a universal sense of, yeah, you know, you kind of got, you were forgotten about, right? There's not that sense of universal, like even just the empathy card because not a lot of people are actually doing anything for people in Appalachia right? <laughs> like, as far as it's anything really being done no <laughs> right? but at least at least you know when people talk about it you get that, that crocodile tear rose yeah, 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 right? yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, like four, 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 four. Uh, I feel your pain right yeah, yeah, yeah. they're there they're there getting my Ferrari <laughs> <laughs> Such a dance, a damn shame what happened. <laughs> Sorry, not for right. Tesla these days. Tesla, get my Tesla, you know. But um, but but yeah, so it's it's but it, it it feels that. And so when, you know, for years black people have gotten um what do you you know, this is your own problem, you cause your own issues, black on black crime, blah, 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 blah. The fire back phrase is white privilege right and people just use it as a as a again like a, a weapon to fire back to be like you, your privilege allows you not to, to recognize the issues that face the black community right 
And so that's why it's weaponized so hard. And it is aimed and shot a lot of times to hurt him. You, you know what I mean? Because it because it's coming from a lot of times to me, and this is why this is why I didn't touch on why she brought that up. To me, it comes from a hurt place. Mm. Right? Um like like to me, to me it comes from hurt. To me, whenever I look at somebody else's opulence or benefits or whatever and i come up with a negative connotation for how they got to where they are <laughs> right i am doing that from a pace of of pain and jealousy or envy or something else like that could there be some truth to it absolutely positively right um now how do i use that to benefit myself or to hurt myself right those are two different things. Does that make it? That, is that yeah, making any sense? Absolutely. So, and so, so I, you know, like, some things, some things that hurt, right? Um, most things that hurt, there's some truth to it, right? Most things that are said that hurt you, there's some truth to it, right? So that means that there can be some benefit, right? But a lot of things that are said to hurt, they're said to hurt. Like you know, people say it. They're they're trying to they're trying to shoot shots. They're trying to hurt people's feelings. They're trying to make stab. They're trying to stab wounds and, and stuff like that. People can sense that, right? And I think as as, as caring individuals and things like that, like some of us are, are like able to be like, okay, like yeah, like I know that white privilege is a real thing. Um, and you know i know that i recognize that the problems in, in this community have been ignored and so it kind of roots to that right and so okay let's solve those solve those issues um but don't don't use this to 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 still if i'm working to help or i believe and i agree you know stop stop stabbing me with that right stop stop using it stop weaponizing it um I know that uh, someone else, um, Jamie, had put Jamie Miller. She put in the in the group. She said at the end of the conversation, um, "I strongly believe white privilege exists in this country. Defining it is a hard thing to do since we are somewhat of a melting pot." Um, and then before that, she 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 said, "You know, we're all we're all the same when you really think about it. How do we get to the place?" Where we all realize this, right? Um, you 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 have to get to the point where people face hard truths a lot, a lot. And the more we are able to face hard truths on both sides, the better we can see how much we're like, right? Um, and so you know. I'm gonna say it's a hard truth to face as a as, as a white person in America, which is sixty some odd percent white, which is something else somebody brought up, right? The fact that the country's majority white, any country that's majority of that population. If we were in Africa, you know, if you're majority, you're gonna feel you're gonna feel more comfortable, right? You're gonna have all yeah. those benefits, a lot of those benefits of being a, a part of the majority, right? The 
the culture of the country is going to be your own, blah, 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 most of the time the heroes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, um, sorry, <laughs> sorry. You, when you, goodness gracious, I lost my, I lost my train. There it is again. So you like these parts, huh? So anyway, <laughs> so, um, I just wanted to give credit to that. Um, but how do we get pat? How do we get to a place where we realize this is we look in the mirror, we have those hard truths, like, okay, it's, it's a benefit being white in America. There are positives just like to look in a mirror and have a hard truth. And for some people, believe it or not, this is a hard truth, guys. I'm good looking. I'm a good looking person that affords me, not, not, not me. I'm not saying me personally, but like, I, if you're like, if you are a good looking person, you like look in the mirror, I'm a good looking person. It affords me certain benefits, right? You know, um, being good looking made Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie's life, life, Angelina Jolie's life easier to a certain extent, but it also made their life harder to a certain extent. Definitely for somebody to me, like Leonardo DiCaprio, people did not recognize how good of an actor Leonardo DiCaprio was to me for a long time. Yeah. Partially because he's this good looking blonde hair white kid, right? <laughs> it's like, of course he got that party. Look at it, he's good looking, right? Yeah. No, fucking act, right? Yeah. <laughs> fucking act, yeah. right? So good. And so being good looking can be, it can be a positive in that it will afford you, it will be a, a rungs on the ladder. But if that's all you got, Lab's going to end, right? But if you want to keep climbing, like your skills, your talents, it opens more doors to be good looking, right? Um, you probably have more doors open in, in America, a country that's majority white, if you're white, right? Whether or not you have the talents, right, and the work ethic to walk through that door and stay in that room, it's a whole nother fucking story, right? Um, and, you know, being black can be, you know, detrimental sometimes. Some doors may appear closed, right? And you have to burst through them um, by, any means, by any means necessary, um, depending on where you're coming from, right? And so then you hear the story, that'd be like the story of like a 50 Cent or a Jay-Z, right? Who kicked in doors. They, they, they kicked in doors to get to where they are. Right. And now they're in that room and they're showing people that they belong in that room. Right. But they had to kick in doors to get there. Right. Then you have athletes like Michael Jordan. He kind of <laughs> he had to kick in the door kind of sort of to get there. Um, but his talent, his talent kind of helped him once he got there to be keep climbing the ladder. But so like when we can be honest about both our advantages and our disadvantages with each other, with ourselves, right? Then we can, we can get to a point where we can all see how much we're alike, where we can all see, where we're not playing the game of my life is harder than yours. Does, does that make any kind of sense? Yeah. But, but it takes work on both sides, right? You, you, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't ignore your benefits, ignore the things that, that came to you, the things that, you know, have a, you can't have a completely negative outlook and be successful, right? And you can't have a completely negative outlook about other people and expect them to embrace you, care about you, your wants, needs, or anything like that, right? Really expect them to be empathetic, right? So it, it's, it's, it, it's going to take hard look in the mirror. And people are like, yeah, I have certain advantages that, you know, life gave me. And yeah, I see your disadvantages, Right. 
And but then that other person has to look at it and say, yeah, I had certain disadvantages that life, um, you know, certain things, you know, rough hand in life dealt me, but I could have played that hand a whole lot fucking better. Right. And so until people on both sides are, are willing to, to be, you know, that kind of honest, then, then we're going to, we're going to run into these issues. You're going to run into these and, and people are just going to throw bombs left and right. Like we talked about, like, you know, they're just going to, and they're just going to be in a bomb throwing business because you won't admit your faults. I won't admit my faults, right? You won't admit your advantages. I won't admit my advantages. So all we can do is, throw bombs at each other and and blame each other maybe not for our own problems but for the problems of this country and um you know i think that's where we that's why we started this group because i think that's where we are right now everybody's blaming everybody else for the problems of this country and you know and that's where we, we talked about that too right it eliminates personal responsibility blaming republicans blaming democrats and blaming donald trump uh, I'm blaming, you know, Obama. I'm blaming, you know what I mean? And it's like, no, 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 no. Uh, America, at least in today's day and age, is a, is a, is a other people, by the people, for the people, right? There's nothing exclusionary, exclusionary about American voting and politics today. So it's all of us. <laughs> right it's not it's not donald trump it's not barack obama it's not the republicans it's not the democrats it's the people we are the reason that the country is in the state that it's in right now and 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 i guess that maybe the best thing about all of these protests yeah really is that people were taking responsibility and saying you know what um i better start using my motherfucking voice but then, but then we got to start yes. using these guys too. Yes. Now we realize our voices are powerful. Now we got to use our fucking ears before we fucking drive the ship off the cliff, so to speak, or the car off the cliff. And, that, and I, think, I think white privilege is a statement that you better be concerned about, like I said, you know, where you're aiming the gun at or where you're driving the car when you use it. Um, and, and, and we can talk about, I think we should talk next time about personal responsibility because that's another one where we need to be careful about where we're driving the car. I think, I think personal responsibility is a bigger topic, right? In terms of needs to be talked about and discussed. Um, but someone brought up that it, it 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 can be used as a weaponized term, and I got to give them credit for having said that. Um, even though it's something that needs to be addressed, which is why uh, the other thing that um, the person in the group put up, Jim, or even um, person Don put up, um, is uh, you know the Asian community being the most successful, right? Why? Because America opens the door, right? For if you push hard, work hard, right? And are incredibly responsible with everything that you have, right? Then America opens the door 
America is a country that opens the door for you to, to be successful. It's also why the Jewish community is, is decently successful as a community, right? You know, they're responsible with their resources. They work hard. They help each other out, right? <laughs> and, wow. and this is a country where if you, if, you, if you do that, you can build something, right? And, 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 and I think it's enough to go around that you could build something universally. You know, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and, you know, that's a, that's part of a personal responsibility piece needs to be talked about. I'm sorry. They ate up a bunch of time that go off the rails over there. No, I was, just, <laughs> I was just thinking, I think we should save that one for another topic. And I think that, I think we'll, maybe we should, we'll wrap up and let everybody digest it. Is I know we, we keep telling people we'll keep these, we'll keep these not too long, but I think you and I could talk forever. We yeah, already know that well, about do. both of us. And uh, I, yeah, Jared, I, I have lots of questions, comments, but I just, I think I'll save those all and just say thank you for, for your contribution today. And I, I so appreciate your continuing willingness to dive into these deep topics and to explore it. And, also, I appreciate all of you in, in the group who are willing to listen, to follow along, to, to, to engage in dialogue around this. And please do, like, you know, this is, there's, there's a lot here. And there's, I don't even think we began to scratch the surface of what we can unpack and how deep these topics can go and the emotion around it. And I invite you all to engage in conversation around this. Ask questions of us, ask questions of what we said. But when you're asking questions, again, I encourage each of you to seek to understand a person's perspective and point of view, not so much to try to maybe prove them right or wrong. I really think that when we start to get into right and wrong dynamics or we get into good or bad, we inevitably create enemies and then therefore we have to embody a hero that has to fight the enemy. Oh, God. <laughs> and that's a, that's a tricky place to go because once we're that, you know, we are literally in a black and white dynamic right? And not from skin color, but from a good and bad hero and villain. We're, I think we're all on the same team here. I think we're all <laughs> really wanting to, you know, as being in this group, wanting to elevate collective consciousness and really advance and, and truly build a bridge together. And I think all of us understand that together we're much better. And so let's, let's engage in conversation around this. This is definitely an emotionally charged topic and, and please do. And, and, if, and again, I want I said this in the beginning, and I want to reiterate then I'll shut up and let Jared just close this out. <laughs> if you see somebody risk taking a risk, meaning they're, they're risking a contribution, they're risking a question, you know, especially if you don't see them do it often, acknowledge them for that, acknowledge them for that. Let them know they're seen heard. Let them know that their contribution matters. Let them know that it's not more or less significant than anyone else's here. And then engage in a discussion be willing to ask questions, you know, really ask questions. But if you're willing to ask those questions, be willing to listen. Jared said it perfectly, you know, use these. I think my biggest work with myself is that too, is I, I, I'm constantly working on this and I have to catch myself often, way more often than I care to admit, stopping, taking a breath, walking away from something because I realize I'm just about ready to use this and not this enough. So that would be my invitation to each of you in here is, is that especially around this topic. And yeah, Jared, thanks for today, man. This was, this was really good. Uh, I, it was good for me too. Um, I was nervous about this topic. Um, the truth of the matter is 
is that I think, you know, our goal is to build a collective consciousness, right? And um, just talking about in your own, building your own consciousness, in your own life, you know, self-reflection is necessary from time to time, right? But it can be an ugly, dark thing, right? And so when we're talking about building a collective consciousness of, of humanity, some of the topics that we're going to talk about are not going to be, it's not going to be sexy for anybody to want to hear or anybody to bring up on both sides, right? It won't be. Right. Um, I, I felt like today I dipped into um, a little bit of negativity because I do feel like, you know, part of the reasons and the usage, usages behind the term come from a, a, a negative place. Right. And it makes you it makes you more defensive and more angry. Right. Don't fucking take away my struggle. Don't fucking do the little work I've done to to become who I am, to build a better man, to be a good person. Right but telling me that I have, you know, some sort of, of, of privilege, right? Especially even if it hurts even more if it's, you know, you know, part of it's true, right? Part of it is true, but it's like, you know, the place that, part of the place where that came from, right? <laughs> like, that's what I'm talking You know, somebody said something to you that's true, but you know they said it from a spiteful place. You're like, you motherfucker. Like, really? Like, and, and you know, and like, you just want to fight back because that was a punk move on their part. And you're, <laughs> you're fine, right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And um, it's, so, it's so crazy when those things happen. But um, it's, it's still work to be done. See, how can I internalize this? Take the truth of it, right? Without taking on the negative energy of it. Take the truth of it put something else back out there that builds that person and closes the gap between us. But then it's also, and this is where, this is where, you know, sets it up so that I can, so that they can face the truth so that they can become a better person. Um, and that's one of the things that, um, and I'm gonna end it here. One of the things that I continually hear um, from, from people on both sides um, of this is, I'm giving and not, I'm not receiving, right? I'm giving and I'm not receiving. I just give up this point and this person doesn't, they're not coming, you know what I mean? Because people want that immediate feedback of someone saying, oh, you were right, I was wrong. They wanna have that happen in that same conversation, right? Or if they give up a point, they wanna have the other person in that same conversation on that same day, give up a point. And really, rarely does that happen. Very, 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 very rarely. Um, most of the time, you know, among, especially like in these kind of relationships or these kind of ordeals, like a month or so later, that person may come back to you and say, you know what, this, this point I do agree with you on, right? Whereas had you kept pressing that button, they wouldn't have, right? And you may never... You may never see eye to eye on the thing that you're arguing about in that particular time, but because you're both able to approach that or you're able to approach that conversation with an open mind, open heart, blah, 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 blah. When you come back to them with something else, they're going to, they, that's, that's how this building a bridge works. It doesn't work. And I'm I'm saying this now because I, I feel like I need to, if anybody made it to this then hopefully you like the group, it doesn't work like both sides of the bridge get built together like this usually works like this 
then like that, then like this, then sometimes it's like that, <laughs> right? It does, you know what I mean? And it's, and, and, and when, when, when we talk about I give and I don't get anything back, the truth of the matter is I would never ask anybody to give on that. And I don't think you are either, Jesse, asking anybody to give on something that they don't believe in. Just asking you to be honest about your fucking beliefs and not have an argument for the sake of having an argument. Or think that if I have to give up on this point, which I actually agree with this person on, that I have to give up on these other five points. Yeah. Right? And that is, that's the main issue. Right, because people aren't. I don't think people are given. Do you think people are given in places where they don't necessarily agree? No, and I don't think it, it's being asked. I think it's. I think it's fascinating when somebody doesn't necessarily see the way I see, because I'm really curious about why that is. And you start to understand life experience and belief systems. Yeah. You know, I I learn nothing if if everybody thinks the same thing I do. Like where I get wildly curious is is what is it that if somebody I'm blanking on who it was, but somebody posted in the group and they were sharing the, the, the journey of their parents and how their parents went down and they started to talk about their parents being odd ducks and whatnot. And I just find those stories so fascinating about what it is, that what is the choice that happens? What is the, the moment in time? And the reason I'm so curious about that is because I really believe that if one of us can do that, it's replicatable. You know, they only say success leaves clues, right? And success leaves clues in that, if we can figure out what made someone succeed or what made someone happy or what's made somebody wealthy or what made somebody loved and all those types of things, and we can look at it as a model then it becomes something. So yeah, that initial bridge building can be like this, but while we're doing that, if we're taking notes and writing down an instruction manual, then we can go and take that instruction manual to someone and say, Hey, it took us this long to build this damn thing. But if you want to do it and you want to do it faster and improve on it, here's how exactly how to do it. And then yes. all of a sudden it can become like that. And I think, um, yeah, I think that was good for today. Yeah. Everybody, thank you for being here and we'll see you next time. <laughs>